When I was in college, one of the things that was constantly being proposed to us by professors and administrators was that the goal of our education at Washington and Lee University was to develop in us the skills of so-called critical thinking. That we would be sent out to the world able to reason critically or to read critically. Finally, however, in my senior year, I took a class from a professor who said, my goal is not to teach you to think or to read critically. You've been doing that since you were children because the basic instinct of a child or even of a young adult is when presented with some information or idea is immediately to be critical along the following lines. What does this mean for me? How comfortable am I, am I with this idea? How well does it cohere with things that I already think and believe? And of course, if we are skeptical of some fact or idea for whatever reason, our immediate response is to say to the one speaking to us, prove it to me. In other words, prove it according to my satisfaction. Instead, my professor said that his goal for us was to teach us the skills of sympathetic thinking that when confronted with a new idea or theory, that we would approach it in the most charitable light possible, always trying to see the idea from the one advocating it, or from the perspective of the one advocating it. Why would he or she think this way? What concerns are they trying to address? What is the best possible interpretation that can be given to what they are saying? You can see that this is a wholly different perspective when we look at ideas and theories in this way. Instead of trying to nitpick another person or evaluate them according to our own perspective, one tries to understand them as they understand themselves, which in a sense is compatible with the insights of St. Thomas Aquinas, that every person seeks the good as they understand it. They They may be misguided in what they think is actually good, but we presume at least but that they are motivated by pursuing some sort of good. Proceeding in this way at least sets the conditions for genuine dialogue, which is presuming the goodwill of the other person. Unfortunately, as we have seen in our recent presidential election, we've lost that in our country. People on all sides of different issues have lost the sense that people who disagree with them are even proceeding from a goodwill. They are assumed to be evil. They are assumed to be nakedly self-interested. They are presumed to hate those who they themselves disagree with. Ultimately, I fear that the nastiness of our recent election is just a harbinger of the future, that increasingly politics will be conducted along these lines as society becomes more and more fractured with fewer shared values or perspectives. Today, as we end our liturgical year and look forward to the seasons of Advent and Christmas, we celebrate the feast of Christ the King. We end the liturgical year on this note because it signifies to us that all things are reconciled in Christ, that in his grace, the souls of the just will be brought into the heavenly kingdom. As Americans, we have a reflexive dislike of the idea of kingship. After all, our nation was founded upon the rejection of the British monarchy and the establishment of a constitutional republic. Yet, one of the advantages of a monarchy is that loyalty to the state is separated from politics, which is why many European countries maintain their monarchies at least as figureheads, so that there is some shared point of loyalty in the state 
apart from partisan leadership. That there is some leader or national figure to whom people relate to sympathetically rather than critically. In the gospel, we see that the crowds, as well as one of the criminals crucified along with Jesus, embodied that critical spirit. They wanted to put him to the test. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Or are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But that's not the spirit in which we approach our king. We approach a king in the spirit of supplication, especially when he is no earthly king, but rather the king of the universe. Thus we see the second criminal. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How sweet those words sound. This is the spirit of true sonship, the spirit of true reverence, a spirit of love rather than of challenge. Since today is the celebration of Christ the King, Holy Mother Church has seen fit to allow us to obtain a plenary indulgence by the recitation of a prayer, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But let me just explain to you what is a plenary indulgence or what are the requirements for a plenary indulgence. Well, the first is the prayer, which I've said we will pray together in just a moment. It's the public recitation of the prayer, Most Sweet Jesus, Redeemer. And it's an act of dedication of the human race to Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. And the second thing is that we will say one Our Father and one Hail Mary together for the intentions of our Holy Father, Pope Francis. And then it's required in order for you to gain the plenary indulgence that you have made or will make a sacramental confession, at least within the previous week or within the coming week. And then you will at least once worthily receive Holy Communion, ideally here today, but if not, again, sometime within the next week. And that in praying this prayer, that you free yourself from all attachment to sin, even to venial sin. So if you can see, we have this little pieces of paper there. If you could pick one of them up. And we'll do this prayer, and then again, we'll follow it up with an Our Father and a Hail Mary for the intentions of Pope Francis. Most sweet Jesus, Redeemer of the human race, look down upon us humbly prostrate before you. We are yours, and yours we wish to be. But to be more surely united with you, behold, each one of us freely consecrates himself today to your most sacred heart. Many indeed have never known you. Many, too, despising your precepts, have rejected you. Have mercy on them all, most merciful Jesus, and draw them to your sacred heart. Be king, O Lord, not only of the faithful who have never forsaken you, but also of the prodigal children who have abandoned you. Grant that they may quickly return to their father's house, lest they die of wretchedness and hunger. Be king of those who are deceived by erroneous opinions, or whom discord keeps aloof and call them back to the harbor of truth and the unity of faith, so that soon they may be but one flock and one shepherd. Grant, O Lord, to your church assurance of freedom and immunity from harm, 
Give tranquility of order to all nations. Make the earth resound from pole to pole with one cry. Praise to the divine heart that wrought our salvation. To it be glory and honor forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.